I'm Connery Hansen. I'm Tyler Dennering. And this is the Franchise Book Club Edition. Grab your sherry, everyone. <laughs> Sit down, relax in our Fraser-esque apartment. What's that? There's a knock on the door. Daphne, will you get it? Oh, she's getting the door. She opens it up. Oh, why it's Alyssa Wise! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Come in, Alyssa. <laughs> in case you in case you missed it, we're talking about the new Fraser book. <laughs> Rise of Fraser. <laughs> so topical. The scrambling of the eggs. Yeah. The ballad of Niles and Crane. Niles and Crane. No, we're actually talking about uh what's it called? Um the new Hunger Games book, or I guess the prequel Hunger Games book, a ballad of songbirds and snakes. Or is it a That's song? Right. Yeah. One of those things. But we, the three of us read the book t- together, and we decided to do a little book club because Hunger Games is part of the franchise of, well, the Hunger Games. So we're exploring different mediums. I think this might set a fun new precedent for us to explore uh, new facets like The Simpsons did last week or maybe yep. earlier this week. <laughs> so we're here. Alyssa's here joining us as well. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> Alyssa Wise of... Catching Fire fame. Yes. She was our first guest ever on the franchise and cemented herself in her Hunger Games knowledge. She's a tome of knowledge of many a franchise, so I'm sure you'll be back again relatively soon. Yes. But here we are in our, in Frasier's study. I've pulled up three chairs for us, and of course- Coriolanus Snow's study. Oh, even better. We've relocated Coriolan. Coriolan. By the way, I listened to the audiobook, and the man, <laughs> the man in my audiobook, pronounced it Coriolanus Snow every single time. And oh. Sejanus. I, I, so many things. I'm like, I'm like, there's probably better ways. And high bottom. So many ass things in this whole book. But maybe the the narrator just had butts on the mind. I don't know. I guess she probably did. For at least all the dudes. That was actually going to be one of my first questions, is if anyone knows how to pronounce the names, because I did not at all. So, okay, are we set on Coriolanus or Coriolanus? I like Coriolanus way better than Coriolanus and and maybe Sejanus <laughs> rather than Sejanus. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't even think about Coriolanus, but I guess there's two <laughs> names that have, uh, yeah, all right, well, I don't want to talk about that the whole time. <laughs> no, we don't. High as a kite bottom. <laughs> exactly, and high ki- kite bottom. It's just, it's so much. Suzanne, what's going on? But yeah, here we are in Cori- Coriolanus Snow's study, and the hardcover of his memoir basically is sitting in front of us. We're in Coriantine. We're in Coriantine. <laughs> having some creatine, and we're just having a great old time. <laughs> so... We're just going to sit here and try to do a as 
spoiler-ish free thing as we can, but given spoilers will probably slip slip out every now and then, so you know what? I'm just going to tag this with a spoiler warning thing. But we'll try to keep it light. Yeah, trying to keep it light, but knowing me, something will spill out of my mouth, so there it is. Shrek dies. Shrek dies in the end of this book. Oh, God, and, no. uh, <laughs> and turns out Donkey did it. And he is unremorseful, and he even marries Fiona in the end. It's it's incredibly spiteful. Oh Ruined the Shrekiverse for me. The cinematic Shrekiverse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we have some fun things in mind. And I think uh, Alyssa, um, you have a fun question to start us off, don't you? Um, I was just going to preface with my thoughts before going into this book, and I'll be on. I'll be honest. I was on the edge of whether or not I was even going to read it, and then you guys asked me if I wanted to do this book club episode and that was kind of like the deciding factor that okay yeah I'll give it a go but I was super worried that it was gonna be kind of in the way of Fantastic Beasts where it's just a lot of like retcon fan service that doesn't make sense just being like oh bet you didn't know this and I bet you didn't know this (laughs) character was actually friends with this character but as we'll talk about later like it ended up being so much better than I was expecting and like actually like fleshed out on like the, the Fantastic Beasts movies, which kind of like left a bad taste in my mouth for prequel franchise extensions. So, yeah, for me, it was like so many like I enjoyed Solo, the, you know, the Han Solo prequel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that like it's still probably like lower rung on the Star Wars movies, but I still like enjoyed it quite a bit. But there's just so many people being like, oh, it's just so prequely. And I was like, yeah, I definitely understand people's points on that. So I keep on thinking about that too. But um, when you put it in the perspective of the Fantastic Beast movies, <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better about this book. Yeah. Because <laughs> there are like a couple things that are that are still like pretty prequely in this. Like it's like, bet you didn't know where this came from, but it was... Overall, yeah, like handled better than Fantastic Beasts at least. Right. So. right. Yeah, at least it feels like, organic. It happened a couple times where I was like, "Oh God!" Like she's really gonna do that right now, but then it would actually like, you know, deliver something kind of important and meaningful. I was gonna say I was also worried that it was just gonna be boring. Like I wasn't like yeah. excited to read it. I thought it was kind of a story that nobody cared about, and that it was gonna be, especially when I read the synopsis, that it was gonna be him with a District 12 girl and mentoring her in the 10th Hunger Games. I thought it was going to be basically a retelling kind of of the Hunger Games and it was going to be the same kind of character as Katniss, but the main character girl from District 12, she ended up being like a complete kind of opposite type of character as Mm -hmm. Katniss. So that worked really well too, I thought. I agree. Yeah. I had similar feelings going into it reading this. I... I feel like I might have been the one to put forward we do this in the first place, but just because uh, I didn't have high hopes for it. Like we have all kept saying, I assumed to be very prequely. I thought this would be more of just us kind of making fun of it maybe a little bit and just poking holes. But I actually, I enjoyed it for the most part. I was surprised at how much fun mm-hmm. I had listening to the story. And despite the guy I, I got who reads the audiobook, he he lives it very dryly, but it. I still enjoyed myself. It was still actually an interesting story that I was like, you know what, this doesn't like. I don't. I don't know what the right word for it is, but it it adds a lot to the universe in a very good way. Like it adds history to yeah. it more so than I'd say like uh, doing fan servicey things like you were saying, Alyssa, like being like, oh, Snow is actually the father of Katniss. Turns out, who knew? Right. 
Um, yeah, I was going to ask Connery how the audiobook was, because I remember Alyssa mentioned, like, you, Alyssa, you got, you uh, got, like, a hard copy of the book uh, mm-hmm. to read, and so did I, because you said that, like, the, uh... The reviews for the audiobook speaker were that he wasn't, didn't do a great job, and kind yeah. of, I don't know. Like, I know there's a lot of singing in the book, too. Yeah. There's a ton of songs. Oh, that's and... exactly what I was curious <laughs> about, Ooh, he, just, he literally just speaks it. It's so boring. He's like, oh, oh Pan Am. <laughs> Speaker of our great nation, become whole <laughs> as your sky opens up. And I'm like, you can at least put a little flair into it, man. And there's so many right. songs, so I have to like endure him just like rolling his eyes, almost taking a breath and being like, let me just deadpan read this song as bad as I can. Here's me singing in a little girl's voice. Is it worse? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was his big moment to add kind of like a little scat solo, really have fun with it, but I don't think he took advantage of it. <laughs> Bet you didn't know they had jazz in the capital. And they do. <laughs> <laughs> no blues, though. There's no mystery there. No, no mystery. There's only jazz here. I'm just going to try to bring up Mystery of the Blues in every single episode going forward. Yeah, I'm praying for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's really stuck in your in your head. <laughs> yeah. Shall we talk about maybe some of the characters in this? Or do you guys maybe want to talk about... Uh, I feel like we can't talk. I wasn't like, what was your favorite part in the book? But that might be too spoilery. So Maybe just like as a brief kind of synopsis of it for people who don't know that the book, of course, centers on snow and it's set at the 10th annual Hunger Games, which this is the first year they've decided to bring in mentors Mm -hmm. from sort of like the Royal like Capital Academy where snow attends. And it's in an effort to create... Um, more buzz about the Hunger Games. Basically, nobody watches it because up until this point, they just kind of take the kids, stick them in a coliseum type thing, and uh, just let them go at it with weapons that are in there. And yeah, oh, and they actually like starve them for a few days beforehand, and that's why it was actually called the Hunger Games, which that makes more sense because I don't think we really got the title like why it was called that in the the actual hunger games mm-hmm. franchise yeah because um, nobody was hungry yeah they, but... they put him in a zoo too to boot yeah um, for yeah the original plan was just to starve them and then give them all fun noodles to slowly <laughs> whack each other with until they died <laughs> yeah and so of course like nobody wants to watch that because it's not a lot of fun and it's kind of <laughs> gruesome mm-hmm. so snow is one of the students who's um tasked with making it more of an event that people pay attention to and he is assigned to um the girl from district 12 to mentor and kind of like shows how the hunger games became what they are in katniss's age um starting with this year and a lot of the decisions that are made yeah it turns out snow is a pretty heavy duty advocate for like treating the i guess contestants better than how they are currently treated even though it's he's still he's still ultimately self-serving and evil and just he's bettering himself out of it but he's like let's not starve them let's be able to like send them things in the arena let's have people invest in them and actually like want their guy to win i think one of the academy students suggests betting and then snow really just spearheads that idea too and so he's kind of like the the grand or i guess the father of the hunger games if like what's his name um high bottom is high is bottom. is the father of is like the grandfather of it and that's even mm-hmm. in quotation marks. 
Yeah, the dean yeah. of the college or the uh, the high school, right? Yes. Dean Highbottom. Dean Highbottom. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like because he invented it originally along with like, well, Dr. Gall didn't like invent it, but she's just very closely related. I think she just loves the Hunger Games. She yeah, likes the funny. idea a lot and was like, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, she's like yeah. way into it. I think she was even like a game master at one point. Oh, right. Yeah, she's the original, the head game master. Yeah. Right. So much like... Uh, I don't remember the guy's name in the first book, but like, like Plutarch Heavensby. Oh, I hey. Think he was the head game master, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But. Right. The one with the, oh, Seneca Crane. The one with the beard. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love the beard. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I think like, a lo- and like the main kind of, obviously Snow is the main character in this and it's a very much like a star wars episode three type thing where we know we know that anakin is going to be turning into vader mm. but we don't know how like what events it are that set off that happening and so like the whole time there's this suspense of like you kind of wanting him to make like the right decisions but knowing like ultimately he's not going to because he turns into this villainous character that we know from the hunger games franchise and so that kind of created like a really interesting layer to to the book because he's obviously snow is a politician and he's very charming like he obviously had to be likable to get to the position that he is in the hunger games franchise so kind of seeing how he sort of became that way but also since it's from a first person type narrative we know like what's going on in his head at the same time mm-hmm. uh I think on that note, since we're talking about Snow and you all kind of a general gist of what the whole book is about, I kind of thought this. I think we should talk about maybe our feelings about each of, like, at least the main cast of characters, and it'll be a good segue into our game as well, starting from maybe the least important character. Like, what what's everybody's thoughts on the Grand Ma'am? To me, she was very much... Okay, for my casting of her, I put Meryl Streep. She was very much like how Meryl Streep was in Little Women, kind of, mm. like, clinging to this sort of, like, aristocracy, even though, like, her family is poor now type thing. Yes. I, I do agree. She's very, uh, she earns her name, the Grandmam, being, so, singing the capital anthem every single morning to wake up the kids that live with her, um, Snow and Tigress, uh, his cousin, both live with Grandmam, and... I thought she was a very interesting lady. She's she's strong in her own certain way, and when she starts to fade, it's rather sad, but... She's still very much clinging to, like, her family's legacy, because the Snow name is very... You know, it carries a lot of weight in the capital, mm-hmm. but the Snow family lost their entire fortune during the war because their assets were in District 13, which, of course, got nuked. So mm-hmm. they are slowly going broke. Actually, they've been broke for a while at this point yeah. and she's still kind of refuses to, to believe that in deep deep denial one of the most interesting parts of the whole book like i like that i found the most interesting is like the first 50 pages or so it's like mm-hmm. 520 page book or something but just the whole introduction of coriolanus or snow like and just where he comes from he kind of has like a chip on his shoulder because like you said he has no money his his family's out of wealth and his friend sejanus <laughs> that's how you say his name he, it's like the opposite thing it's like they both had factories or like big businesses in diff- two different districts but snow's family's district just happened to be like nuked mm. so it's like an interesting parallel there but um just 
Snow not having any money, but still having to act like he's like uh, upper class and uh, like aristocracy. I, I thought all that stuff is really interesting because mm-hmm. it's all like he's really good at saving face. <laughs> yeah, and having people perceive him as something he's not, and just like manipulating people already. Like it's just like a good way to start off that character because. You already know him as just like a really evil, manipulative guy <laughs> from the movies and like the books. So, it's so like, oh yeah, kind of, I know this it kind of creates empathy for him, mm-hmm. like right from the beginning, and kind of puts you on his side. Mm-hmm. And so, like again, you want him to to make the right calls. But and that's the thing about this book, like we're we're supposed to be talking about Grandma, but Snow is just so prevalent. He, he's a power, he's a powerhouse in this in this thing. Like I don't think there's ever a scene where he's not there. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's all it's pretty much solely focused on him mm-hmm. and uh, so let's talk about dr gall next let's get his uh the, kind of like the his emperor palpatine who sways him towards the, an evil way <laughs> of thinking yeah i liked Alyssa's uh analogy of it being like revenge of the sith because i did think about that too because mm-hmm. like george lucas's whole um idea for the prequel trilogy like whether that was executed well or not was that basically you know it's the rise of fascism and it's like how love turns like his quote from george lucas like love turns us all into fascists like <laughs> basically like so true, <laughs> so true. <laughs> i mean it's like i get where he's coming like i get what he means but <laughs> whether that was executed well or not but um and there's like a slight romance involved in this book there's definitely like a <clears throat> a romance going on with snow and another character but um and that's contributes to his development as a character but um, yeah, it's definitely very much like Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, where yeah, Doctor Gall is the Palpatine, like constantly manipulating him and making him think this certain ideology, basically mm-hmm. that he didn't really have before interacting with her. Yeah, she definitely helps shape him into what he is. I would even argue, like she's the one who mm-hmm. kind of nails into his head, like humans are violent and evil in their base nature, and if you throw them in a room in the dark alone and throw a spear in there. Throw a spear in there; they will kill. They'll eat each other. She's she's a joker. She's a she's a lovable joker. <laughs> agent of chaos. An agent of chaos, like Doctor Gall, who likes to make neon snakes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys read the um, kind of interview with Suzanne Collins, the author, at the end of the book. Oh no! But it was talking about her um, her influences for this book, mm-hmm. and so like I thought it was a much more philosophy based story than the Hunger Games was. Like. She quotes, uh, The Hunger Games was uh, more just about aspects of war theory, and then this was more on human nature theory, mm-hmm. and she was modeling the characters after some of the Enlightenment speakers. Oh. Um, so I think that Dr. Gall was supposed to be based on Thomas Hobbes, I believe. It was either Hobbes or Locke. I can't remember which one is which mm-hmm. now, which basically says, like, humans are like beasts and if there's no society and rules like dictating what we need to do then we will just like kill each other and respond with violence that's interesting that was really interesting yeah Yeah, that's great i like that a lot that's awesome hunger games is more soon zoo and this is more david (laughs) humes at cameron takeda call me out on how that makes no sense Yeah, I did read a little bit at the end, just that she was, like, inspired by her. Her dad really influenced uh, her about, like, the Enlightenment mm-hmm. thinkers and everything, so. There's so much room to talk about that in this book. While the Hunger Games do play an important part, it's so much so just about the conversation of, like, what it is and what it means to the people and control and 
it's it's more political in this one, I think, than any of the other ones because we literally just get these debates and these tops of conversation bouncing back and forth of what's right versus what's wrong and how to ultimately make people watch a horrible event. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or even want to, not even make. Yeah, I also would have preferred if there was like a little bit more of that. Like I know it's basically like a young adult novel, but I did... I, I think I've said that before a few times on this podcast, but like <laughs> I like it when franchise movies get into philosophy and like politics and stuff like that whether how regardless of how well executed it is like like in the Mockingjay movies I feel like sometimes it just kind of drags on a bit um but like for me at least that was some of the more interesting parts of this book whereas the actual Hunger Game itself was I thought was like a little lacking just because the Hunger Games in the book like I didn't read the original books but like in the movies like especially in Catching Fire like that's a really cool Hunger Game mm-hmm. it's like this is like mm-hmm. the best it'll ever get like in terms of like a budget, <laughs> the budget. <laughs> you know in yeah. the Hunger Game in this it's like it's the 10th Hunger Games this is it's still like this is basically like the uh creation of what the Hunger Games would become mm-hmm. so they're kind of fighting in like a big coliseum that's like um all messed up and like broken down and stuff yeah they don't so even it's... clean it up it's like there's still blood stains everywhere they <laughs> yeah. say from the previous year yeah <laughs> yeah so i almost wish that they like cut down on the hunger game itself a little bit just because mm-hmm. it definitely lags know, what, what did you think Alyssa? yeah so i know the book was divided into three parts and the second part is the game itself and it was kind of like the least interesting like I think like the amount of time that that game dragged on was roughly around the same amount of time that Katniss's game dragged on but Katniss's was in a much more cool environment with a lot more things kind of going on this one it's like and then this person hid Mm -hmm. for a few days and then (laughs) in the benches and then maybe this person was in a tunnel for a few days and and we meet like caesar flickerman's like father i guess who's like who's like a glorified (laughs) weatherman (laughs) (laughs) that's that's some of the prequel stuff that i like don't like as much where it's just like Okay, because he's the announcer, he has to be related to the yeah. to Stanley Tucci. Like, like it had to be the same last name Flickerman. for us to get it. <laughs> yeah, it's like we understand his job was he's an announcer, and now it's apparently it's a family business, which is just odd. Yeah, because he was a weatherman, I guess. Yeah, slash magician, <laughs> slash parakeet enthusiast. Yeah, so that was probably like the most uh, egregious example of like prequelitis mm-hmm. right yeah in this but uh overall I, I think besides that there's maybe a couple other things that i'm like okay but it still does a pretty good job at yeah um introducing it, it i think it's just in general it's hard to make a prequel of anything whether it's a movie or a book because it's characters you already know so you're just kind of mm-hmm. connecting the dots in a way to that what that character is going to become so those things are almost kind of like signposts or something it's like mm-hmm. oh you, I, I didn't elaborate on this this will give me an opportunity uh, to elaborate on this like like where Mockingjays come from basically and mm-hmm. talk about that and mm-hmm. some other things but I don't know prequels prequels are difficult they I are. think to write and so. just speaking to that the second half where the Hunger Games takes place again it really I just feel like it dragged its feet a lot until I'm probably going to enter some might say something spoiler but until like the event happens where Snow is forced to actually intervene is when it kind of picked up for me again because of what Sejanus mm-hmm. does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
at that point, I kind of like at first, like kind of being like, okay, like it's just a hide fest. This is really boring. At least with Katniss in the first and second book, she was, we were in the thick of it. We felt the suspense. But here we're very removed, and we're just like, uh, Lucy, Lucy Gray's there. Um, Snow's kind of like, oh, I hope you don't die. Uh, she's hiding. Guess I'll wait for her to show up to deliver food. And only when he enters the fray do you really like, get this feeling of dread. You're like, oh no, what's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, I felt like. I mean, because I usually don't read a book this fast, <laughs> but I committed to like recording this at this point, um, which like, so I enjoyed the book, but it's just like at some points I'm like, I don't want to be reading this right now. So I'm trying to separate that. Um, not because the book was like horrible or anything, but just because I had to read such like a large like mm-hmm. amount of pages. And I think I mentioned in its earlier episode that I just haven't read a book in a while. Just this was the lot, first watch- book I'd read in ages. I honestly yeah. haven't really. I'd read one book since the quarantine started, and that was my first like full book I've read in years. Yeah, this book definitely did exactly what I intended for it. Like, regardless of how I was gonna feel about it at the end of it, it just definitely made me want to read books again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I know I know I should be reading more than I am, but I don't know. It's so easy it's, to just stream something. There's just so many movies out and TV yeah. shows and like you don't have to really It's easy to turn your brain off at the end of like a work day and yeah. picking a, bo- a book kind of feels like you're about to turn your brain back on. So that's kind of <laughs> why I've avoided it for a while, but I forgot it actually feels pretty good. Yeah. Um let's talk about um Snow's moral center and all this which I would argue is Tigress and how she kind of tries to keep him on the straight and narrow, but um, and I even kind of forgot what happens to her in the end. Like, I don't think she's dead, right? Like, she's just around. Okay, so I don't know if you made the connection, but Tigress is actually in the Hunger Games franchise. She's the, like, cat person. That, That's what uh, I was wondering. That's why I was yeah. going to say that, too. Is she the cat lady? <laughs> Yeah, so like, that why would her name be Tigress if she wasn't right. the cat lady? Yeah. No, that's it's that's the character and that's what kind of annoyed me right from the get-go where I was like this is going to be exactly what I was afraid of. Like, oh, I bet you didn't know that cat lady was actually Snow's cousin and they lived together. But That's so yeah, weird. I kind of so just like exiles it. her when she starts to turn into a cat. <laughs> okay, so I needed a refresher on it as well, and I, I looked up the Hunger Games Wikipedia, because yes. of course I have time for that kind of thing these days. <laughs> and me so, so Tigress was a fashion designer for the Hunger Games, eventually, like she mm. becomes one of the people like making them beautiful. And then I guess Snow himself uh, banned her from, let me see, it. Oh, okay, so she speaks with a gravelly voice that sounds similar to a cat's purr. She dislikes President Snow, showing happiness when Katniss mentioned she planned on killing him. Um, So I guess President Snow fired her from the Hunger Games for being too surgically altered to appear on television in the games. (laughs) Which, that uh, I don't... There's no inkling of that in this book. It's It's like they stay friends and i'm like as long as tigers is around he should be fine and that's why mm-hmm. i was really confused where he's like oh, i'm evil now i'm like no tigers is there she's gonna keep you in check i don't know what you're talking about right. I, I don't know that information like i think like if she was going to show kind of like how snow got to the point that he is at then maybe she should have shown how tigers eventually got to the point where 
she has, like, altered herself to straight up look like a cat and, like, is now the most surgically altered person in the entire capital and yeah. all this stuff. That being a really yes. interesting thing, it, it the, I feel like the yeah. last half of this of the book is really rushed, especially when it's like, and now he's evil. And I feel like it was just, yeah. it was really pushed. And I was like, I would almost be happy if it was, like, a, maybe a second book or a trilogy that just involved, like, his political machinations of becoming President Snow. Right. And I'd be really into that. And then we'd get, like, the deterioration of more of his relationships, like what happens with Tigress and why she becomes Catwoman. And because it just seems like he's like, I don't like your fashion choice. This is weird. Can you not be on camera? And he'll be like, I want you dead. Yeah. Maybe that is what the plan is because I know they're turning, planning and turning this into a movie. Mm. So maybe they're making like a whole nother like trilogy or something of Coriolanus snow books. Suzanne Collins is, but uh, that is what I expected at first, like, especially considering, like, the length of this book, I kind of did expect it to be, like, uh, kind of like that movie, like, um, yeah, just, like, an abridged, like, Rise of Power, it's, like, you could tell that story in one mm -hmm. book, really, like, and just, like, kind of flash forward to different parts in his life, basically, That's what I was that thinking. made him the Yeah, there wasn't is. enough flash forward, it was all kind of set within this, like, maybe two month period or something. Oh yeah. And like that was, or even less than that. Wow. And like that was enough time for him to become like this powerhouse. Monster. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah. But I did still have to remind myself that like, like that's what I would have preferred definitely. Um, but then that becomes even more of like a philosophical political book. And right. I think there's a point in that why she's making all the characters like, you know, they're just like, it almost reminded me more of like Harry Potter or something because they're actually in school in this mm -hmm. one, like yeah. all the academy students. It's evil Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, minus the magic. Yeah. Um, but it's it, yeah. just if it was only Slytherins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only Slytherin Hogwarts. Slytherins only. And one Hufflepuff. Such a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. He is such a Hufflepuff. He is. And, and we're all Hufflepuffs here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. wait, Alyssa, are you a Hufflepuff? No, I'm a Ravenclaw. That makes sense. Connor, what are you? <laughs> I, I am a Hufflepuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I For a while, I was like, I'm a Gryffindor, and then I was like, oh, no, I'm a Hufflepuff. We all know it. <laughs> no, I'm like, I was looking at a breakdown of the United States map and, like, where each uh, district would be and where the capital would be. So, yeah, I'm definitely a Ravenclaw. <laughs> that confirmed it for me. Nice. Yeah, I like that they actually talked about that. Like, mm -hmm. they didn't really right. talk about it, but there was a few lines that they're like, this used to be North America. Mm -hmm. That, it was, okay, so I always got that impression from the first books, but I couldn't remember if it was ever implicit, implicitly, like, said yeah. that, yeah, Panem is North America, but then she finally, like, outright said it in this book. She has a... I was, she has a whole world to explore, doesn't she? Like, she has a yeah. universe that's kind of, like, really she can really do a lot of stuff. Like what's Europe doing while this is going down? What's going on in South America? Like <laughs> give me more of Pan Am world of hunger world. <laughs> it sounds like there was just way less people in the world. Cause mm. it'd be going through like, Oh, district 12 or district nine or whatever. Now is a population of 13,000 people, but that was still like the size of three of our States combined. Oh, wow. So. Okay. Sounds like something big went down and now there's just, a lot of people out there. Yeah, it's like uh, kind of like Fallout or something. Mm. <laughs> Fallout yeah. Movies. What about um, a what about a Pan Am story about like the truck drivers who have to drive across the the different districts <laughs> to deliver things? That might be fun. <laughs> Only if it's like Jack Burton from 
Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> I don't see why good. it wouldn't be. Um, oh, I was just, the point I was making earlier, basically, it's like, I kind of understand why everyone's like 18. It's like, I guess it's like a pretty early time for him to change into like the person he is ultimately like 60 years mm-hmm. later. But it's just like, okay, it's like, I would have preferred more of like a political book, um, philosophical book. But at the same time, it's still a Hunger Games book. Like, it's still intended right. for a certain age group. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is how I get people yeah. drawn in. And, of course, there has to be, like, a romance involved because that's the kind of book it is. So, yes. And there has to be a game. Like, even, like, in every single one of the Hunger Games books and in this one, there is, like, a game-type sequence. Like, in the... In Mockingjay, it's, like, them going through the city with all the booby traps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think if it was focused purely on Snow and his kind of political dealings, it, I don't know if you could fit a ton of action into it. I think it'd still be a really interesting book, but yeah. it wouldn't be kind of, like, what the the spirit of the franchise is based around. Casca Highbottom, who, like we mentioned, he invented the Hunger Games and uh, he is pretty much high on opium-heroin for most of the time. Right, so he's kind of an interesting character because he's kind of presented as Snow's antagonist Mm. in this whole thing. So we're against him because, you know, he's the antagonist, but as, I don't don't want to spoil too much, but we kind of, ugh. I like, guess you don't really understand why he doesn't like him so much throughout yeah. most of the book. And it's... then you realize later on, like, closer to, like, the final third, or what's really going on, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So it's, like, a lot of... It's, like, a repeating trend for me in this book where it's just, like, you're not really sure what's going on. Like, I mean, not completely plot-wise or anything, but it's just, like, why is this guy, like, acting weird to Snow? Like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then um, it kind of holds you in suspense for such a time, such a while that I'm, like... almost like is that gonna like come back and then it finally (laughs) does so it's like she does tie up like a lot of loose ends like basically every loose end that she's like brought up in the beginning of the book or different parts like it does turn come back around uh even minor details at certain points like i feel like she does Mm -hmm. like close them up so yeah and i think it's interesting too that like i would find myself like annoyed with high bottom but at the same time i know that snow becomes a villain so shouldn't like this person that doesn't like snow be like someone we can sympathize with more but like we're still like drawn into snow and like his whole demeanor and his charming personality a little bit so i agree and i think we can maybe leave uh casca because he only serves as a antagonist yeah. to snow and not even he's not even around that much he just basically threatens to halt his path to power and like and he, yeah. he won't give him a scholarship and he needs a scholarship so he has to just kind of defeat dean highbottom in social ways and he eventually you know read the book and find out wink but <laughs> he's like the minor antagonist and dr gall is like much more like multifaceted character that like seems like a very opposite person to snow mm-hmm but then he kind of like becomes interested more in what she has to say. You know, it's yeah. interesting. But maybe that's a spoiler too. It's like he's infatuated with their conversations. He he likes talking to her about the morality of everything and human. Let's call the not psychology, but philosophy and all that stuff. Well, like part one is called the mentor, which on the surface is 
obviously talking about Snow, but I think also it's kind of a subtle way of introducing Dr. Gall's character because mm-hmm. she becomes his mentor, even though he doesn't mm-hmm. realize it for a while. Totally. I feel every time she came up in, in the audiobook, I always wanted to play the do, do, do. <laughs> like Sidious's theme every single time would just happen in my head. Cause, uh-huh. Especially because the guy did a really good voice for her. I, I liked his voice. It was like, hello, Snow. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, <laughs> she's a wicked witch. But... I so when she first came in, I thought she seemed kind of zany and fun, yes. and then like that quickly like turned around. I was like, oh no, 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 she's scary. No, she's like horrifying. <laughs> she's she crazy. Um, speaking of not horrifying, but let's talk about Snow's um de facto best friend, um Sejanus Plinth, who kind of serves as his foil throughout this book, and everything uh, Snow is, he's pretty much the exact opposite. Right, so he's from District Two. Two. Yeah. And his dad made a lot of money in the in the war enough for them to move to the capital and get his son a place in the the academy and a place as a mentor. But Sejanus doesn't want to be there. He still feels like he's part of the districts, and he's obviously against everything that the Hunger Games and the capital is doing. So. Hmm. And he, he causes a lot of mischief for Snow. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. for like and the and I feel like a lot of the time it's uh it's most of the time his mischief is hoisted on Snow to solve, which which is a little irritating. <laughs> and the fact that mm-hmm. I feel like Sejanus is a good person. He wants to do good things, but I think he goes about it in the most asinine ways possible every right. single time. Yeah, he I mean, he's also an awkward teen, much like everybody else in this book. <laughs> yes. So it's like I get it. But sometimes I'm just like want to shake him i'm like like what are yeah. you doing like, like stop. Come on, this is not gonna end well for yeah. you. <laughs> stop being like this like you live in the capital you have to conform a little bit to survive but yeah. he just is like making himself such a target sometimes i think even snow gives um, him that advice where he actually says like let's yeah. change the system a little bit from within like let's make things better for the tributes and blah blah, blah. And so they're just like no <laughs> <laughs> yeah he kind of like has to go about it his way which is at certain points where he's just like it's like if you're talking about like D or something it's like he's just like lawful good or mm-hmm. just like dude like right. how do you even know that the law is always good like yeah <laughs> like yeah. the the capitals run by like the peacekeepers and like the whole i mean all the districts is run by the capital and all that's obviously corrupt and they like hang people for like really small reasons and stuff so mm-hmm. it's just like why like you can't work within that system you need to like go beyond that to do anything about it and he's but in he the place to do it. Like, huh? And he's in the place to do it, too. And he just refuses to see it every single chance he gets. But yeah. he's just not as, like, good at playing the game as Snow. He can't see, right. like, how he could manipulate a situation to mm-hmm. for a cause. And Snow hates him for that. Because I feel like he's, like, yeah. literally, like, if I had your power in your position, I could be doing so many things. But you have everything, and you squander it every chance you get. Yeah, so I guess Sejanus is, like, a well-written character because both I and Coriolanus Snow want to shake him sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Revolta's frustrated with him. Yeah, and I felt that way, too. I was, I was just like, 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 Sejanus, what are you doing? <laughs> you're like, you're too pure for this world, but <laughs> yeah. also just stop. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, like, I want you to succeed, dude. Like, I want you to do good, but every single thing you're doing is so dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he just makes a lot of really weird choices and gets the weirdest allies. And you're like, 
Sejanus, think for a minute, dude. Come on. Uh, but he serves as an excellent relationship counterpart to Snow, and I think he's mm-hmm. another deciding factor that helps Snow be like, maybe I can be a good person, like, or I can be better than I am because Sejanus is good, even if he, he goes about it in really intense ways. Yeah. Like, it seems like he's steering Snow in a good direction, but then he'll cause Snow some trouble that will, like, kind of backtrack any progress Snow yeah. had made. It's like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. And, yeah, so I think that pretty much sums up Sejanus Plinth pretty well. You can keep reading to see the resolution of his whole story. Uh, I don't even want to say finally, but we've been talking about Cor- Cor- Coriolanus this entire time, and I feel like everyone has a good idea. So let's talk about, arguably, the leading lady in this book, Lucy Gray Baird. And, uh, right. yeah, she's basically a Romanian um, minstrel, and she basically is stuck in District 12 with the rest of her troop and is forced into the Hunger Games. Her name isn't even picked from a jar. Like, the mayor just says her name of District 12, and she's kind of pushed forward for a slight that she did, un- unbeknownst to us for now. And... Yeah, um, Melissa, you've been giving such like succinct and awesome synopsis of all these people. Would you like to give one for give us one for Lucy Gray? Sure. So she is chosen in the reaping, and she's wearing like this bright rainbow-colored dress, and she has a full face of makeup on. She obviously knew she was going to get called, and we find out later like why that is. Um, but her whole thing kind of starts with uh, at the reaping. She goes up and she sings a song on the stage. And that's sort of like the key moment that people sort of start seeing the tributes as like they could be stars. They could be, you know, people that catch the public's attention and that we want to know more about their story and we want to watch them in the games because we're interested in them. And up until that point, too, Snow thought it was a slight that he had been given the District 12 girl because that's obviously like the worst district and the worst gender, apparently, according to <laughs> the book, <laughs> in terms of, like, who could win. And once he sees, though, that, like, people really like her for her song, and she kind of does something else at the reaping, too, that gives her a bit of spunk and personality, he gets super excited, like, oh, okay, like, she could be a star, like, what could that do for me? What could that do for my career? And so he starts immediately trying to win her over. And I like that she really has kind of like the will to survive. Like she wants to win the games and she is willing to like play the game just right off the bat. Unlike Katniss who, you know, she's more reluctant and doesn't want to be a pawn in this, this show, the spectacle. Um, Lucy is, more willing to like put on a show and of course we know she's a performer so it's a big part of it but yeah in some ways she almost like gives an idea to the hunger games people like hey maybe we should make the hunger games more interesting yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but um now you said earlier that like she's the exact opposite of katniss it's like oh yeah because i mean like katniss is very like atypical of like a protagonist i feel because she just doesn't really want to be there she doesn't want Mm -hmm. to be the protagonist the whole time but yet some, at least that's what it seems like in the movies. And yet she's still like interesting at the same time. Right. And my concern with Lucy Gray Baird, the uh, District 12 tribute, is that like I thought she would just be like really colorful and almost like 
she seems like she's like almost built up to be like a manic pixie dream girl or something mm. or it's like mm. just a more typical character but she really has her own identity her own like agency or whatever in this book like it's not just she's like she's very quirky but she's not like just a one-dimensional character she's very like right. out and has her own goals and everything mm-hmm. um so it's very interesting how that interacts with snow because snow is also a very um goal-oriented person that will manipulate other people to get what he wants and he needs to learn like certain lessons about that as well so it's really interesting like the back and forth between him and and lucy gray yeah mm-hmm. i I really wanted to mention this at least because my whole theory with this book, as soon as we met Lucy Gray and how she's so colorful, I'm like this is a woman who is going to play the game to the bitter end and she will, she will use people to win. And I thought the entire time she was playing snow. Like I thought this, that he was gonna have a big heartbreak and that's what was going to be his like push to be the bad guy. And the whole third of the, like the last third of the book would be like the time jumpy thing and him like kind of like using this like, people will betray you and hurt you even if you trust them. So I can't trust anyone ever again. I thought that was going to be the direction too. And I'm glad it didn't go that way Mm -hmm. because that would have been pretty predictable. Yeah. yeah. But it turns out she's Lucy's very interesting. She definitely has different ideology than snow and it just in his own head. It's so interesting just to see them, to see him work through those thoughts that she's like, no, like, the games shouldn't happen and people shouldn't die and and maybe the capital did wrong things and this and snow's like well maybe but like i'm capital so you're hurting my feelings <laughs> but what about my life exactly yeah wink but mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah so we get a we get a lot of that and it's interesting to I, 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 this relationship seemed doomed to me from the get go because they're just their ideologies are just so different fr- to begin with, and the fact that it finally comes to the head where it does only makes only makes sense in the long run that it was just doomed to fail. And I think like also we see from the beginning his like he starts to have feelings for Lucy, but it's always tinged with like jealousy mm. or like what she is like bringing to him yeah, like ownership. what kind of attention is falling on him yeah exactly it's very yeah. much like an ownership type type situation he's very controlling yeah to the mm-hmm. point where in this book like the way she wrote it like is this like a good thing to write for like teenagers because it's like <laughs> this is obviously not like a healthy relationship but i don't know if everybody reading reading this is going to realize but yeah he's um, definitely the antagonist he even says like i own her she's mine he's he said like yeah. even like dressing up and having her as decoration and basically his penthouse suite is what he wants in the capital it's it's so demented so um yeah he obviously has issues with control and there's severe issues with control because he wants to change the whole world and that's his whole modus operandi basically and how he becomes the uh main antagonist in the hunger games series later on like 65 years later it's like he Mm -hmm. just i guess he just rationalized everything you know, like most bad people don't think they're bad, uh, especially I feel like politically, like mm. they feel like they're doing the right thing. It's that old Sometimes adage for the everyone's uh, the hero. It's like that old adage. Everyone's the hero of their own story. Yeah. I mean, especially when you say like for the greater good, that's like an easier indication of you're probably doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but some people just really rationalize to the bitter end. And it was like, no, I was totally justified in like doing this terrible thing because it, it ultimately helped this 
nation or organization or anything or myself, you know, up to the point where it's like you just can't rationalize anymore and it becomes like a disease, basically. Mm. So I feel like this definitely snow. Completely. So we've talked about, I would say, the main core cast of characters. And now I think we've been talking for an hour and this is a great lead into our game, which is we're going to be casting our own ideal um, Hunger Games movie um, prequel cast. So uh, who would like to go mm-hmm. first with their cast? Do we want to do like character by character? I'd love to do. Yell? I would love to do character by character. <laughs> Roulette. Uh, I will say before we name them that I guess this movie, this uh, book is planning on being turned into a movie. You know, at yeah. Lionsgate. It's already gotten the green light. Yeah. It's the same director, right? That did. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two Mockingjay and he did Catching Fire. Hmm. Yeah, he did a good Francis job. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. My big question is, is this movie going to be a musical? Because there are a <laughs> lot of musical numbers. It better be. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, it, apparently Michael Arndt is supposed to be the one writing the script. Um, who He's like a really great screenwriter, but he's also, I feel like he's works on a lot of projects and then eventually gets like somebody else takes over. But mm-hmm. I think that's just the nature of like the kind of movies he works on, which are usually bigger. Like he co-wrote Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. He wrote the original script mm-hmm. for The Force Awakens. And then eventually I think he just got like a story credit or something. Oh. So okay. uh, we'll see where that ends up. But at least it's in really good hands for the screenplay because yeah. um, I don't know. I feel like he'll only improve upon certain dialogue and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Agreed. So. Um, okay, so let's go character by character. This will be really fun. Let's start with we... Let's do like the des- the descending order from least important to most important that we were doing for the show or what we were discussing okay. with characters. Um, so Dean Highbottom? No, we're going to start with <laughs> Grand Mam. <laughs> oh, okay. Grand Right, so I said Meryl Streep for that one. An excellent choice. Um, I just think she would... I was picturing her the entire time I was mm. reading it. Um, Charlie, would you like to go next, or do you want, would you like to go last in all this? Uh, sure, I'll go. Yeah, um, for Grand Name, I put Rita Moreno. because oh, who's that? Um, she's from, uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to say Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> she's from West Side Story, originally. Like, oh, okay. That was like her big break, whatever, but um, she's an actress that's been around forever. She's... Um, I don't know what else she's in. You <laughs> probably know her if we saw her type. Yeah. All right, cool. But I was just trying to, I was, I spent like an hour like Googling all these like people I would cast. I basically <laughs> put up like actresses in their 80s and I was mm-hmm. trying to cast like a little bit against type. type. Good. Yeah. And Rita Moreno is basically just like the mo- the liveliest like 80 something like you've ever seen. Like just watch her on like <laughs> any like late night show or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's just a lot of fun and she's supposed to be in, uh, in the Heights, I think. Oh, sick. Oh, is she abuela? As well. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't read. I haven't listened to it in, in the eyes. <laughs> All right. But yeah, uh, you know, Grandmam's very like serious, and she's not very. She's like very like in the old government, or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's, whatever you said earlier, basically. But she's. All, I feel like she's also a little kooky, and yes. I feel like Rena Moreno would definitely like play all that up. Word. So. I casted. The one, the only, the song and music, her, the sound of music herself, Julie Andrews, because I thought it'd yeah, be really I, fun. I almost put I that. I like that. Nice. I like it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I thought it'd be fun to hear her sing, but like maybe actually be told to sing badly would be really funny to see <laughs> Julie Andrews do. <laughs> um, who do we talk about after 
grandmam. We talked about, uh-huh. uh, I think we talked about um, Dr. Gall. So who'd you guys cast yeah. as Dr. Gall? Um, I cast Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, that's a good one. I think she kind of has the like harsh, like at first could seem like she's fun, but no, like she's actually like really intense and cruel and kind of like, she's still kind of zany though, you mm-hmm. know? That's interesting. But like, she's scary too. Yeah. Tyler, who, who'd you mm-hmm. pick? My bad. Rita Moreno's not in In the Heights, but she's uh-huh. in the new West Side Story. So that's why I got oh, confused. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so she's in both West Side Stories. <laughs> Sick. Awesome. <laughs> As well as Rio too. Oh, neat! <laughs> Next franchise. <laughs> yes, the Rio, the Rio Rio's Cinematic Rio. Universe. After the Chihuahua one. Yeah, my favorite parrot, voiced by Jesse Eisenberg. Oh no. <laughs> um. Okay, wait. Doctor Gall. I put Dr. CCH Gall. Pounder. Oh, who's that? She is. Uh, I don't. Like I'm not going to say who's that to everyone you cast. I feel like I'm yeah, you are. Dummy. Yeah, I say I am. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's like the police chief in Face Off, I the don't great Nick Cage film, Face Off. <laughs> Nothing. She's just been around forever. She's like such a cool actor, and she's just basically, she's just been working forever. But nice. if you saw her in a movie, she's basically one of those like character actor kind of actors. Okay. And I feel like she would have like the ability to like be menacing, but not... But at the same time, not just be like a stunt casting, you know. Mm. I agree with that. Um, my stunt casting for this was Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, she she could be a you know a little sinister, but seem kind at first, and then get like a little yeah. creepier and creepier as time goes on. Like I see her doing that. Yeah. The <laughs> least relevant one next is Dean Highbottom. Dean Highbottom, I agree. Um, who'd you cast as Dean Highbottom, Melissa? Okay, I don't know if this casting is great, but like, you know, when you start reading and just a certain face pops in when you get to a character and you can't shake it for Mm -hmm. the rest of the book. So I was picturing Tony Hale, aka Buster Bluth from Arrested (laughs) Development for like the whole thing. And I couldn't, I'm like, I'm sure there's someone better for this, but I couldn't shake it. So I just has a hook hand. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, he just became the character. I'm I'm, I'm sticking with Tony Hale. Fantastic. (laughs) I love that. That's good. I put uh, my favorite schlubby middle-aged actor of all time, Paul Giamatti. Oh, okay. He would just be like the most depressed man who's just taking his morphling every day. This is this is all your guys' casting I feel like is better than mine of yeah. I chose JK Simmons because I was like someone very stern but then very sad. I thought it'd be kind of fun because I'm like a, a sad JK Simmons might be interesting to watch. Yeah. I'm just always happy to see JK Simmons. Exactly. So I'm fine with that. He's so just I'll... like no no jobs, freelance, and then takes some Take some <laughs> Exactly. But, but Paul Giamatti, he can be like really depressing, but oh, yeah. also he can be like a total like evil dude at the same time, like mm-hmm. very uh, manip- manipulative, like big fat like, liar. <laughs> yeah, like big, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say straight out of Compton or oh, the okay. uh, Beach same Boys movie. movie, but big fat liar is really his like crowning achievement. So I would agree. Yeah, I can see him like confronting Coriolanus with the evidence at one point and being like, "You see what you did? You're done." <laughs> <laughs> and then Coriolanus turns him blue. 
Zach of Blue. Okay, um, after him, let's talk about Tigress. Who would you guys cast for Tigress? So for that one, I actually put Elle Fanning. Um, oh, just because she's supposed to be really sweet and kind of innocent and somebody that like could easily be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. which is Snow's fear the entire time. So I wanted someone who like... Uh, like exudes that sort of sweetness and nice. to me Elle Fanning just looks like a little kitten so. yeah oh that makes sense yeah. that's definitely exactly her character like in the Neon Demon the <laughs> oh is it? Nicholas Winding Refn movie yeah because she's like an, like a, she's just, just turned 18 or something she's a model in LA and that's oh. exactly what she's playing into it's like <laughs> just kind of an innocent person and then like the modeling industry like destroys her uh, okay so. But um, yeah, mine's not too far off from there. I put Kiernan Shipka. Okay. Um, from you know, uh, she's wow. What is her character? Sabrina, name? the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Ooh. Yeah, and she also plays uh, John Hamm's daughter in Batman, which nice. is like the first thing I saw her in. But yeah, I've just been like a big fan of her for like the longest time. Uh, but the only concern is that like it was really hard to find a male actor that was younger, because mm-hmm. like Kiernan right. Shipka is only like twenty, and I'm just like wow, it is really hard to cast like 18 year olds because yeah like, people just like get old yeah. fast or like they change really fast you know mm-hmm. and so. also i realized i'm not hip on who yeah. the, uh, kind of up and coming <laughs> actors and actresses are i had to look up so many like hot under 25 <laughs> lists to... yeah i felt a little creepy doing my research <laughs> yeah. i was like yeah, teenage was, like... actresses i'm like oh i don't like this <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> Um, I casted for Tigress. I had a really hard time because I don't, I didn't really see, I see her as innocent and kind, but I don't see her as weak really throughout the book. I feel like she's willing to do a lot of things that she does off screen for Snow that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I originally was going to be like, I was looking through my list of like random, pretty blonde, young actress to be her. That seems fragile. And then I was like, you know what? It's not sitting right with me. So I was looking through this IMDb page and I came across this woman, um, Allison Stoner. And she's mostly does voice acting, but I saw her picture and I was like, you know what? She seems really cool. So look up Allison Stoner because she seemed really nice, really interesting looking. And not just looking, but she seemed cool. She's in the Phineas and Ferb movie, apparently, and she's in both Cheaper by the Dozen movies. <laughs> Allison Stoner. Oh my God. She was a Disney Channel star. Yes. She was in my Super Short Show. Yeah. Super The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Mm. Yes. Yeah, oh so my god. Okay, yeah. I nominate okay, her. Yeah, I like that. I like that, Tiger. Thank sure. you. Um, oh, Sejanus. Uh, Alyssa, who'd you I cast as I went... Okay, I... Again, I don't know the... A lot of young actors, so they he might be a little young. too old. But I went with Ansel Elgort. A, because I love him. But B, I think he does exude that, like puppy dog but like wants to do the right thing means well but kind of a dummy mm-hmm. type type personality and i loved him in baby driver oh and okay. i just yeah i think he would be i think he'd be great i loved him in the goldfinch <laughs> I, I haven't seen it that's that's the punchline because nobody saw the goldfinch nobody. Oh. Oh. <laughs> is he in it yeah i think he's okay. the main character yeah oh, okay <laughs> You can't do Ansel Elgort. He's a he's an old fart now. He's like twenty six. <laughs> he's younger than us. He still has a baby face though. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He's great in Baby Driver. Um, Allison Stoner plays a character in something called Kung Fu Magoo, 
I like that. <laughs> Which is a Mr. Magoo like spin-off movie. Spin-off? Oh. Fantastic. <laughs> uh what are we talking about again? We're talking <laughs> about who Jane. you cast for the Janus Plim. I put Tony Revolori. Who's that? Uh he is Flash Thompson in the Spider-Man oh, movies. Yeah. And he's, he's also the kid from Grand Budapest Hotel. Nice. Right, okay. Um, I think this would be like a nice turn for him because he's usually like, well, Grand Budapest, yeah, I guess he's still like pretty funny, but in this New Year Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, he's just like really funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> he hates Peter Parker, but he loves <laughs> Spider-Man. He's like Spider-Man's number one fan, but he's a bully. Um, but I don't know. I just like him a lot. And it would be interesting to see him turn as like a more dramatic character. That'd be very interesting. Um, I chose for Zajanus Plinth. I, I feel like he's actually 35 now, and I don't know why I was thinking he was way younger, but Broadway... Liam Hemsworth? Not Liam Hemsworth, but Broadway <laughs> actor. T- short time on TV on Graceland, and very small role in the movie Les Miserables. I am talking about the one, the only, Aaron Tveit. And oh, he, yes, he has that chiseled good looks, but Lord help me, I could see him being kicked around like a little puppy dog by snow. I and he's he thirty six. Yes, I said he's old. Ties in, <laughs> ties into our uh, musical plans for this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, love that. No, you got to get Russell Crowe if you want to have a musical. <laughs> oh, of course, he's a oh, staple. Oh, he could be Dean Highbottom. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I, I I changed my mind. I love Paul Giamatti, but I love like schlubby Russell Crowe even more. Like his past five years in his film career, like ever since the Nice Guys, he's just like, well, in this role, I'm gonna gain even more weight and be look more sad and like shave part of my head so I'm balding. It's great. That's good I love acting. Him. Yeah. yeah, that's good acting. So good. Um, let's talk about Lucy Graybeard. Who would we cast for Lucy Gray? Okay, this is going to sound weird, and again, you have no control over, like, who pops into your head when you're reading a book, but, like, while I was reading it, the first Mike person that Myers. kind of... Myers. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the first person that popped in, and, like, she just, like, kind of became the character in my head, actually, Connery, is your sister, Grayson, but, like, specifically her at your Old West murder mystery party. <laughs> like... The way she was dressed, like, and playing guitar, and I was like, that's, that's Lucy Gray. But since I have to cast an actual actress in this, um, I would cast Zendaya because I Ooh. love her. And I think she has, like, the emotional range to, like, seem like this, like, fun, like, happy-go-lucky performer type. But there's way more intense stuff going on under the surface. Alyssa, I like that you brought up Grace and Hanson, because that's a great segue for next week's episode. We're not done yet, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but she'll be on the next one. Okay, uh, who are we talking about? Oh, Lucy Gray Baird. Uh, This was tough for me because uh, I went between two people, and those two people are Lana Condor from To All the Boys I Loved Before. Mm. Ooh, Uh, okay. That's good. I think she would fit better ultimately in this it was between her and sasha lane who is in american honey she's like the main character and i feel like she would be she would fit more into like being like a traveling musician Mm -hmm. and just like kind of like raggedy i guess (laughs) like that's basically her character in american honey in a way but um i think lana connor would be better because she's just like a little bit more cutesy in a way because like she's like wearing a bunch of like rainbow dresses and stuff in this Mm -hmm. so 
know. Yeah, I, I think either of them would work, but yeah, it's Lana Condor. Yeah, uh, I, I did the ladybird herself, the little woman herself, mm -hmm. um, woman whose name I can't pronounce. Sersha. Sersha Ronan. Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, too. I, yeah. I do like her for that. She's good. Well, I, if we're mm -hmm. casting this movie and firming up everything, I, I'd probably pick Zendaya, honestly, for this. I like that a lot better. I also want to backtrack a little bit and Ooh. just say, Grayson, I hope you don't find me creepy for mentally casting you <laughs> in this movie. I didn't Probably the to. contrary. She's probably extremely flattered. <laughs> You're so creepy. I know. <laughs> All right. Grand, grand finale, everybody. Who's playing okay. Coriolanus Snow? This one was tough. Yeah. But I am happy with my decision ultimately to cast Timothy Chalamet. Yes, I see that. Very good. I think it's Snow. The big thing with Snow is so much of what is going on with his character is happening internally, not from what he's saying, not what from what he's doing. So we need to be able to like really see that happening below the surface and I think mm. Timothy Chalamet is a really good actor and I think he has the look of like someone who could go either way like good or bad nice I think he I think he'd do a good job I agree and he's one of the few young people I know <laughs> <laughs> Tyler the big yeah, snowman I that Timothy Chalamet makes more sense um than who I put but I'm also like like yeah he's a great actor but i'm also like a little tired of seeing him like in every single movie yeah <laughs> like he's he's gonna be he's dune in boy everything these days yeah he is the dune boy right <laughs> not the well, dune warrior we might as well keep keep uh, his career going <laughs> yeah now he's a better choice than who i put because I, I i had a hard time too but i put ty sheridan you know he's he plays uh the main character in ready player one Oh, okay. Also, like, I I had him box. originally. I actually had him first, and then I I changed it. But yeah, that's a good choice too. Plus, Tony Revolori is like one inch shorter than him, <laughs> so that would work well for casting because they're about the same height. Perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's all I got. For me, the snowman who gave me all the clues. The one who I chose was Mr. Nicholas Police. Holt, Mr. Police. I chose Nicholas Holt of the War Boy from Mad Max because I saw his face on an IMDb thing. I'm like, he seems like snow to me. I just looked at him and I was like, yeah, this guy. I love him. And he's so tall, though. Like, he's super, yeah. super, super, super tall. I, want him to be I met giant. him <laughs> one year ago today. Oh, um, wow. Wow. At the X-Men premiere. Was he nice? Yeah. yeah, he was so nice. And he was wearing a blue suit with a yellow shirt and he told me my mystique makeup was spot on or spot on oh cheerio then <laughs> he's like i saw <laughs> in this one minute i've seen more of you than i saw jennifer lawrence on set <laughs> that is funny and i think with that that pretty much wraps up our our book discussion. I, I hear Coriolanus coming up the stairs, so we're going to have to rappel out the window before he finds us. Um, how about, really fast, let's give everyone's maybe total review of this thing from a scale of 1 to 10. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Or maybe on a scale? Maybe, maybe it might be... Let's, let's divide it down easier. Should someone pick up and read this book, yes or no? Uh, I find it hard to argue for unless you're, I've already read some of the earlier books or seen the movies. 
But if you haven't read the previous books and only seen the movies, I feel like that's totally fine because that's what I did mm-hmm. and everything made sense to me. Um, it wasn't too confusing, even though there's like a lot of students at some point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, sure. If you like, <laughs> if you like continuing stories, I think it's pretty good. I kind of like it could have been a little bit more intriguing for me at certain points and it could have been like 50 pages shorter or to be fair like 30 pages shorter because <laughs> at some points it was just like a little too long in the tooth for me but mm-hmm. it's not bad like it's definitely interesting you know it's like yeah. I like following characters that you know are going to end up being bad people I like to see how that happens so I mean it's told better probably than like I said the prequel trilogy an Anakin mm-hmm. story. So <laughs> if I like Star Wars, I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, should someone go pick up this book and give it a read? Um, I would say if you're a, just a general fantasy fan, then and not so much a Hunger Games fan, like maybe not, like it might not be your speed, but if you are a Hunger Games fan, you like the original movies or books, then I think it, it, brings up and answers a lot of questions you might not have realized that you had about the Hunger Games world. And I think it expands on the world really nicely and interestingly. And I personally, I couldn't put it down. Like I wanted to know what happened next. So I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say so. Give it a, give it a go. Yeah. And I'm going to pretty much echo what my friends here said. If you enjoyed the Hunger Games, you'll probably enjoy this too. Um, If you haven't read the books before, maybe test out on the first Hunger Games book to see if you, or watch the first Hunger Games movie even to see if you're into the franchise at all. Um, general fantasy rating, it's meh, but if you're a mm-hmm. big Hunger Games fan, just take a big bite out of it. It's a delicious content sandwich from the Hunger Games universe, so why not? Oh, what's that? Oh, he's knocking at the door. <laughs> Quick, out the window! Snap. Snap. Oh, Save we me, fell. Katniss Everdeen, or should I say... Swamp Potato Everdeen. <laughs> Swamp Potato. <laughs> well, here we are in the moat of Snow's house. Um, You'll get that when you read it. <laughs> wink. Uh, Inside joke. So we've we're now on the streets of the Capitol, walking home. Um, let's uh, let's do our our delicious plug. You know what? Actually, what, should we do what we've been watching lately? Any recommendations for the week? Shall we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, what have you been sure. watching? Alyssa, what have you been watching? <laughs> sure. Um, yesterday, I was shown a delightful film by my husband, Irishman Turin O'Neill of Spider-Man 2 episode fame. Um, it is called Michael Collins, and it is about the Irish Revolution in 1921, Ooh. getting their independence. It stars a youngish Liam Neeson and <laughs> an unnecessary Julia Roberts. <laughs> yeah. It, it was okay, but he'd be happy I, I plugged the movie, so Aww. here you go. I thought you were going to say <laughs> The Irishman. No, nope. Michael Collins. Oh, Alyssa, really fast, while, while we're still talking to you. Yeah. Turin told me you beat Persona 5. I have yeah. been playing it double time on our quarantine. I, wanted, I was really curious. One, did you like it? And two, who'd you pick to romance in the game? Um... I really liked it, yeah. And then I chose oh, what's her name? She her the one that turns into queen. 
Oh, Makoto. Oh, yeah, she's great. That's the Makoto. Best I yeah. chose Makoto. She's best girl because I like a woman with brains. Hell yeah, I chose her too because I was like, Makoto yeah. is the only right answer. <laughs> We're such nerds. I love it. Yeah, great. Um, Tyler, what, what have you been watching? Uh, I just watched. I just rewatched Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story. Ooh. Because my girlfriend Lily had never seen it, or maybe not even heard of it, but we both love Johnny Cash and Walk the Line and Walking Phoenix. Is like we should watch this. I guess we're both just kind of like not in like a great like we're just kind of down the other day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just I can't recommend that movie enough. It's on Netflix right now, but it's just a parody biopic that kind of destroys every biopic ever made. <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, it's hilarious. There's so many good jokes in it. And uh, John C. Riley plays Dewey Cox, which is like the Johnny Cash parallel. And he's a great singer as well. He's Mr. Cellophane himself. Oh, should have been uh, my name, Mr. Cellophane. Yeah. And aside from that, there's a bunch of movies on iTunes right now that are free. Um, they're just like highlighting black voices, mm. everything uh, with all the protests going on. So you can watch... Uh, like Selma, Just Mercy, Antoine Fisher, Ali. There's like a great, a bunch of great movies uh, on iTunes right now for free. So check those out. Hells to cool. the yes. I have I haven't been watching much recently for uh, some reason. I don't know why, but I have been reading this uh, manga called Vagabond, which I am enjoying because comic book stores are back open. I was able to um, get the last three um, big like omnibus X books of them and i've just been uh going through those it's really interesting and kind of chronicles like a it's like a semi-autobiographical book i guess where a lot of it's fictionalized but it's so fun it's about this samurai uh, musashi i believe it's how it's pronounced i'm probably butchering it anyway but it's really interesting kind of going through like a fictionalized historical fictionalized historical account of like japan's greatest samurai that ever lived so it's, it's kind of cool and fun in that sense nice nice um, yeah, that, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> no, um, let's do plugs. Alyssa, do you have anything to plug? Um, sure. You can check me out on Instagram, Alyssa Hope underscore. And it's mostly cosplay and special effects makeup, but if that's your thing, feel free to check it out. Hell yes. Tyler, what do you got, my dude? Uh, just follow us at Franchise Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook too, I think. And, and email us at the franchise podcast. Uh, sign us up for a bunch of spam and stuff so I can have something to do and just delete it all. <laughs> um, if you enjoy the sound of my voice and you also like tabletop role playing games, you guys should check out Starship Impala. It's hosted by me and four other amazing friends. And uh, we play the Starfinder game. And there's over 100 hours of content waiting for you to devour. So a lot of good fun there. Tyler, tell us what's coming up next week on the franchise. Well, excellent segue, Alyssa. <laughs> when you brought up Grayson Hansen 20 minutes ago, because she's going to be on our next episode, <laughs> which is going to be on Legally Blonde. So stay tuned, everyone. Yes, and perfect timing, because here we are at our small flat in the Capitol, and we're kind of going our separate ways. So with a big hug from all of us to you here at the franchise, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I I was I think I had like a laughing fit last time we did like our um what's it called bonus episode but we need an actually good sign off Tyler we gotta come up with something just sing the capital song right now oh Pan Am filled with grace 
you come down to touch my face with a stroke of wing and peck of bird, this serpent song has just the nerve. Connor, you should really consider doing uh, audiobook readings. Okay. That'd be really fun. Like, uh, I should look into that. <laughs> be something to do. Alright. Goodbye, everybody. My career, my career is set. <laughs> All right, we're done. Bye.